It's been a while since I've been up here. Good to be with everybody here. And if you're watching on Facebook, I'm Tim. Good to have you. Uh, we've been talking about connection and we've been looking at connection. And I appreciate Mike and Gary getting in there and taking the first two lessons. It's been crazy. Uh, it seems like the older I get, the more I realize I have less and less time. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I mean, literally on the earth. But also, it just seemed like my life just gets so cluttered up. And uh, we had a lot of things going on, and I had to I had to take a break. And they stepped up so well, and I just appreciate that. And good, good stuff, good stuff as we look at uh, how God wants to connect with us. I mean, he was the first one. He made the first move when there was a disconnection. And he wants to connect with you. He isn't sitting around going, oh, I don't want to see you again. He wants to have a relationship. And then the idea of just how can we connect? What are the things, ways we can, and the things we can do to better connect with God? Because it is a two-way street. Today I want to talk about connecting with each other. I don't know how many times you've played this game. You know, this game was, was invented back in 1974. Some of you weren't even around then, all right? But you remember where you were in 74? I was wearing bell bottoms and big old medallions and you know there's something about this game now that it's the big it's the big yard games now you know and connect four is just uh it, I, I first i thought it was like checkers but it's not it's this this strategy in this game is just amazing and if you do some research it's crazy they have tournaments and stuff videos of tournaments and and people uh winning all kinds of cool trophies and prizes and some of these games well they're just it's a lot of strategy when it comes to trying to connect this some people said this was, uh, let's see, who was it? Kept, uh, Cook's Mistress. They, call, they used to call it Cook's Mistress. They said Captain Cook may have played this game on a ship so much they thought, well, he must be with a woman because he's always playing this game. But thats they're not sure if that really is true. This may have been the very first game ever invented by a toy maker. And I don't know about you, but I've played it many times with my grandchildren and, and with my children and friends, and I get I get slaughtered all the time. It's hard to keep track because you could connect them horizontally, vertically, diagonally, and you're trying to block somebody as you're trying to get the advantage. And so it's hard to make a connection. That's what I find. Isn't that true about uh, when it comes to connecting with the Lord and connecting with people? Sometimes the connection just doesn't seem to work. Have you ever been with somebody and, or maybe met somebody and you hit it off just like that? And you're best friends. I've had a few like that where we meet over breakfast and I'm like, why didn't I meet you years ago? And we're just, we have so much in common. And then there's others, these other connections that just seem like it takes forever, it takes forever to get a friendship built. Well, today I want to talk about the, the importance of connecting in the church because of all the connections that we have that are available to us, that this one matters the most. It's something Jesus prayed over and he died for. Now, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, God cherished and treasured connection. He really did. You can see this right off the bat when you read about the Garden of Eden. And you, and you, and why is that? It's, it's, it's because God made you and I for relationships. He did make us to connect. He didn't make us to be by ourselves. I know some of you, you know, you say, well, I'd rather be by myself. And you may have a few people that would agree. But that's not really the way God made you. He doesn't agree. 
Yes, sometimes we need to be by ourselves, but most of the time he wants us connected. Look at this passage here in Genesis 2. And here in the midst of this perfect place, the Garden of Eden, it's got everything a, a person could, could need. It's paradise on earth. God says these words, it's not good for the man to be alone. And look what his solution is. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. Now, I know a lot of preachers, and I'm one of them. We'll use this passage in marriage as we talk about marriage, how God doesn't want a man to be alone. And, the, of course, the groom's like, uh-huh. You know, and, and the, and the bride's like, yeah, yeah, and made someone like you. That was said in my wedding. God made someone like you, Tim, but it wasn't enough. He wanted to make someone like Denise because your life is empty and a mess and screwed up and you need somebody to help you. Thanks. But no, he said he made someone like you, but it's not enough. He wants you to have something else. And I know that a lot of times in this passage, we do see the idea of marriage right off the bat. Sure. But what I want you to notice is that the solution to the number one, the first solution to the first problem was a person. I want us to back up and just look at that as, as a principle. That the very first problem in this perfect world, there was a problem. That God said, I'm going to fill that problem and I'm going to solve that problem with a person. You see, God made someone like you. But he didn't make you to be alone. He made you for connection. And it's this connection that he wants to move you, not just, it moves past strangers in our life. I was, yesterday, I was getting something at McDonald's, and I saw someone there. We didn't exchange words. They're a stranger. And I drove off thinking, as I was thinking of this lesson, will I ever see that person again? I mean, we have lots of, lots more strangers. Seven billion people, right? About seven billion on the planet now. Most of them are strangers. We share the planet. We share maybe a, a, a town or a neighborhood, but most of the people are strangers to us. And God says, oh, I want to move past that. You can imagine, you know, the Bible talking about God bringing Eve to Adam. They were strangers initially. Didn't take very long, though. And they, they blitzed right past being friends. No, they became what? Family. God says, I, you know, the way... He doesn't want us to be on our own because we can't make it on our own we need a suitable helper we need another connection and it's with a person and so this idea of family eve is not just not a stranger she's not just a friend she's a part of adam's family god forms a family god forms a family today it's called his church We're the family of God, and he wants us to connect to one another. He wants us to be one. You see, God wants a personal relationship with you and I, but he he never intended it for it to be private. You know what I'm saying? We kind of categorize things sometimes. We, we, We go, well, I've got my relationship with God, and then there's my relationship with everybody else. And I, I, I love, what does it Gandhi say? I have no problem with Christianity. It's the people I can't, I can't handle. And maybe you've seen that bumper sticker. I was a people person till I met some. You know, it's, there's something about the connections we have, the people we have, the, the drama that it creates. And yet, the Bible says it's so essential. And he doesn't want us just to have a relationship with God. You can't separate your relationship with God and, separ- and your in relationship with God's people. 
I heard a guy say it this way. You can't say I love God and hate your brother. Oh, wait a minute. That's in the Bible. It actually says that. You, there's no room for hate. You say, well, I don't hate them. I just dislike them. Okay, you define it any way you like there. But the Bible wants us to connect. I find that very challenging. More challenging than that game. Because we have a host of people God puts us in contact with and and hopes that we will somehow link together as his family. Look what the Bible says here. Oh, how wonderful and pleasing it is when God's people all come together as one. I want you to circle God's people and the word wonderful. How wonderful. He's saying it's very good. You know, it's it's wonderful. Just like when he made man and after he was done, he said, this is very good. This is wonderful. He says, let me tell you something else that's very good. And that's when people come together as one. I'm right now making a front loader for my mower. Uh, Mike Dennis stamped it out and bent it for me. And uh, Alan Lee is helping me with it. And one of the things that I'm learning is how to weld. I thought I was a pretty good welder. Not when you, when you get with a welder, a real guy that welds. And I, yeah, I, and I notice he goes, Tim, we got to weld this together. We got to join these two pieces of metal together so that when you use it, it won't fall apart. And that's the idea, I think, of the idea that when God's people are come together as one, or like two pieces of steel that are melted together and it can't be, can't be broken. It's very good, church, to be connected. You don't want to settle for less. We want to be, I want us, Greater Alton, to be a church that's really more and more connected. It's tough. And it wasn't just COVID, man. Long before that, we were having trouble connecting. We're having trouble connecting. It's still a challenge. You know, just because you have people born into your family doesn't mean you get along with them. Just because you share the last name doesn't mean everything's going to be good. Believe me, I'm going to tell you later a story that's going to go, oh my. But yet God says, oh, come on. It pleases me and it's wonderful. And you'll discover how wonderful it is too if you could somehow find a way to bond together. See, the principle of connection is included in every description of God's people when you look at the scriptures. Here's a list right here. First of all, the Bible calls us a body of connected parts. We have many parts, but we're connected in one body. When it comes to a building, we're building blocks, we're stones. The Bible says we're living stones built together to raise this spiritual house, this home for people. We're a kingdom of citizens. We're we're part of the same nation. Whether we agree or disagree, whether Republican or Democrat, we are Americans, right? And when somebody messes with us, we all get together and say, oh, no, no, no. Why? Because we have this connection, this heritage. And it's in a kingdom of God that we're, we have a citizenship. We're united under this the rule and reign of a king. And the Bible talks about family, how connected a family is. And as we're born again, we're incorporated in this family. Do you know any families that you go, man, they're just too close? I know some families who go, man, they don't, they are so close and so tight knit. Well, what do you expect them to be? They're family. Now they can talk about each other, but you can't talk about them. 
Well, you might get in a fist fight. Why? Because they're connected together. They share DNA together. They're bonded together. Look at this passage in Ephesians 2. Consequently, he tells the, the, the Christians there, the, the church there in Ephesus, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, with, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, no orphans. No, orf- no spiritual orphans in the kingdom. I don't have to face life on my own because I'm a part of God's household. And notice this, you're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer an outcast. You're no longer different. You're no longer a, a stranger, but part of a citizenship of fellow citizens. We're connected together. He Listen, church, God never intended... For us to be strangers that meet once a week on Sundays. He never intended us to have acquaintances. Now listen, you're saying, but Tim, you can't know everybody. Absolutely, you're correct. In fact, there's a study years ago that says we know about 60 people by name. Regardless if 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 you're around hundreds or thousands of people, you know about 60 people by name. That's the average person. And what I'm just saying, simply saying this morning is, is that it's not our location that decides if we get together. It's our life. It's just the way we live with this idea of connecting. It's centered around that. Look at this. I love this passage in Colossians 2. He, Paul is talking about the, the, the people he has yet to meet. He hasn't met at Colossae, at this church, or the people at Laodicea. He's, not, he's talking about two churches here. And I just think it's interesting. What he says there is, I want them to be encouraged. These people he doesn't know. I want them to be encouraged and notice, and knit together by strong ties of love. I want to be knit together. What's that mean? Bonded together. The Bible says we're called to love each other. Listen to this. The Bible, in all these one another passages, it talks about loving one another, serving one another, helping one another, honoring one another, bear with one another, be kind to one another, encourage each other. Why? Because connection is so good. And he wants us to have that. And church, listen, churches that are built like this, that are connected like this, can build a bridge to a better life. We really can. And there needs to be more bridges built, if you you probably agree with that. So the challenge here at Greater Alton, I want to challenge all of us here, is how can I connect? Not so much about, well, who's going to connect with me, as much as what can I do? to better connect to make this church the way God wants it to be. Now, I want to look at now for the rest of this lesson today, three ways that I can strengthen my connection around here with other believers. The first one is I identify what prevents connection. I've got to recognize and identify there are some things that can just block connection. One of the strategies behind Connect 4 is if you want to keep somebody from connecting, you drop your little cylinder and block their way. And that keeps it from making that connection. And there's all kinds of things that, that as well as in life, that can block us from being uh, connected with others. I mean, there's actions and habits, in other words, that make us either unavailable or unable or nearly impossible to get 
around and connect with other Christian believers. I was talking to somebody just for church. The biggest challenge that I know some of you are going to go, so Tim, what are you trying to say? There's, there's two kinds of people here today. I got a feeling. Well, maybe three. One of them is, well, I'm doing everything I can. I can't do anymore. That's one person. I made fun of them really well, didn't I? I'm sorry. The other person is, I, I, I don't have any time. I'm meeting myself at the door. Hello. Yeah. And there's those who go on, I really want to learn how to connect. And if I have to move something out of the way, I will. And this is, a, it's, to me, it's the big paradox for me as well. I can't be close to everybody. I can't be close to everybody I want to be close to. I can't even be connected to everybody I want to be connected to. But I can be connected to someone. And who is the Lord I need to be connected to now? And how do I do this? Well, I've got, I've got to first look at what's blocking it. It could be my schedule. It could be my fears, my pride, maybe some pain or my focus. And these obstruct, listen, these obstruct not only relationships here at Greater Alton, they obstruct relation, all our relationships, our friendships, our family. Have you found yourself growing apart in your marriage at times? Something's happened. What's happened? Another habit has come into play. Something else has happened. Next thing I know, I'm just, we're not as close as we were. We're not talking as much. We're not, we've skipped some things. We're not seeing each other as much. And it's especially true in the kingdom of God. And see, like Connect Four, when I'm playing with someone, that person can block me. But have you ever made a mistake and blocked yourself? I dropped it down the wrong slot. Oh, you know, sometimes... I can block connection. In fact, I do it more often than maybe I realize. Look at Proverbs 18.1 here on the screen. Whoever pulls away from other from others to focus solely on his own desires disregards any sense of sound judgment. I pull away to focus on a desire I have or I'm focused on a desire. Maybe it's an interest I have. Maybe it's something that's taken up my time. Maybe I'm bothered with something and I just, I won't, flex. I won't move. I won't adjust. The Bible, see, doesn't sell. Listen, the Bible doesn't celebrate spiritual hermits or loners. Did you know that? The Bible doesn't say this is the way you ought to be. Well, John the Baptist was by himself. Yeah, for how long? Even Jesus Christ was alone periodically, but he was with others constantly. Why? Because we are made for connection and he modeled that for us. And Solomon here is telling his son here, Rehoboam, you know, if you pull away and you're focused on yourself so much, you're focused on your career, focused on your, 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 your activities, your extracurricular activities, focused on your pleasures, focused on making money, whatever it be, your own desire, whatever it be, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Now, I've asked Allison if she would come. And uh, she did such a good job last time talking. I want her to talk some more a little bit about. She's going to talk to you about some of the blocks, some of the blocks that she had to recognize that kept her from connecting with believers and what she did. And maybe we can learn some things from her. Okay, listen up. Good morning, everybody. My name is Allison Osborne, and I've been coming here for a long time. I wasn't born in 74, though, so sorry. Um, so last week when Gary was talking, I was kind of thinking about 
the game of Connect Four and the fact that sometimes we do get blocked in life. Sometimes it's things that we can't prevent. And like Tim said, sometimes it is things that we can prevent, but we block ourselves. So I was thinking about four C's of things that can block connections from God and others. So I said number one is character. Sometimes you're just not a people person and you don't like getting close to other people. You just want to keep yourself at like an arm's length distance away from people. Number two, I said caution. You know, sometimes you've been hurt before and, you know, maybe it's hard for you to trust people because of being hurt before and you just don't want to be vulnerable again because you don't want to risk getting hurt. So number three, I said choices. Sometimes like putting things like jobs before God, um, you know, any connections with others, our own sinful desires, things that we want to do. We don't want to make the sacrifices as believers and disciples and live the way that we're called to live. We want to live the way that we want to live. And then the last one I put was challenges, because let's just be real, the Bible says that we are going to face trials every day. We all face trials. Um, sometimes we face things like loss of a job, illness that we can't prevent, um, and you know sometimes loss of a loved one. And so we kind of pull back and we kind of seclude ourselves sometimes from God and from others. So um, back in 2015, I had a miscarriage, and it was a really rough time. Uh, Elena Wolf was wonderful, and she was by my side um, when I was at the hospital and. You know, Andrew, he couldn't be there with me because he's with the children. But, of course, when I got home, he was there for me. But at that time, a lot of people that I was close with were pregnant. And so it was a very hard time because I would see, like, their bellies getting bigger because babies were growing. And I saw mine getting bigger because I was depression eating and things like that. Um... And it kind of got to a point sometimes where I kind of didn't want to be around them, not because I didn't care about them, but it's like I didn't want to cry every time I saw them and kind of dampen their joy with my sadness. And so I would kind of pull myself away for them because I just didn't want to be a selfish friend like that. So um, that was definitely a time where I wanted to pull away from God, maybe not so much God, but more others. At times I, I was questionable about things with God, but... You know, I, I will say that my relationship with God did get stronger from that trial, but it took time to get there. Um, and so a lot of times when we're facing those painful times, those moments of insecurity where we're not feeling like we want to be around others, just think about this. The thing is that when we're facing those challenges, those are the times that we are very vulnerable, and that's probably the time that we need each other the most because... Satan knows when we're vulnerable, and he knows when to attack with those things. So I came up with a scripture from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It says, two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So anybody here that's facing hardship or challenges right now, just know that as much as you might want to be alone, it's probably not the best thing. We need to be here for each other. We're family. And, you know, don't feel like you're in this alone. But thank you, everybody.
I love Allison. Um, I was thinking of that. I was going to have that passage in this lesson, and I, I, I asked it. I said, you know, the Lord was kind of like going, no, you've, you've overused that passage. And then she used it. I love it. And so it uh, got airtime. But I love, the, I love that passage. Uh, by the way, the kids today in the back are learning about they're doing magic numbers, and today it's three. And they're looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how a cord of three strands cannot easily be broken. They've got pretzels and Twizzlers that are twisted together, you know. They're getting that for a snack. What an opportunity to talk to your children about friendships, huh? Now, I just want to, before we move to the second point, just ask yourself a question, and that is, is there anything in the way that's keeping me from connecting with another believer? The Bible says this in Hebrews 10, the very first part of it, don't stop meeting together with other believers. It just says it. Don't don't stop. Keep doing that. It's important that you do. Here's number two. I initiate ways to promote connection. Not only do I identify what's blocking, I've got to figure out ways to promote connection. Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs, uh, four, or I'm sorry, Romans 14. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. I was looking at Connect Four and some of the strategies, and there's there are people that have spent hours and hours mathematically learning how to win this game every time. They say it's important to control the center of the board. I thought that was interesting. But one of the things I thought was interesting for me was you can win Connect Four is in as little as seven moves. Or it may take all 42 and then some. It's less than this than, a, than 1% that in Connect Four, there'll be a stalemate. It's like 0.01 something. I mean, it's, it's, it's very little, if any, a percentage. Rarely happens. One of the things they said, which I thought was fundamental, was those who start the first move usually win the game. The first one to play has the advantage of making a connection. Is there a life lesson there? When I initiate and I make that first move, man, that's when connection is possible. I don't wait for somebody else, I, I, but I put myself out there and I try to be the first one to go. And 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 like I said before earlier to, uh, in this lesson, some for some of us we hit it right off with people. I don't know why we just do. And there's some we have to make that move again and again and again if we want to have that connection. If we want to. We may have to make some more, make more moves, in other words. Again, look at this passage in Hebrews 10. Let's read the rest of it. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Are we creatures of habit? Yes, we are. It says, instead, encourage each other. Make that move. Initiate some encouragement, especially as you see the day drawing near. You know, our... I want to ask you again, just to consider this. Are the habits that you have promoting connection? Are you able to promote some connection with believers? See, some of the deepest relationships you and I have, some of the strongest, and some of the, and the relationships that God wants you and I to have do not happen automatically. It's, they just don't happen. And, and by the way, most of, if you say, if it happens, it's so rare. By and large, a vast majority of our relationships happen on purpose when there's something intentional done. Uh, my, uh, 
one of my granddaughters turned two, is turning two in a couple of weeks. We're at a ball game watching her younger siblings play ball. And she goes, I said, so how's it going? Uh, uh, how's school going? Great. I said, you're in a second grade now. Right. And I have an agenda. And I went, I didn't know you. Do you know what that word means? <laughs> yes. It means a plan. And I follow agenda, an agenda every day, Grandpa. I have an agenda of when to, what to study when I get home and I do this and I write this down and I, and I fulfill my agenda. And she was so excited about it. I thought, well, that's great. Most kids could care less about an agenda. You're weird. This is great, you know. But I thought, wow, you know, she's growing. It's a sign of growing up. When you realize there's a plan, you've got to plan some things. Well, there's an agenda. God has an agenda. And that agenda involves and includes that I initiate. I mean, to ask yourself, what has been my agenda? What is my agenda? What are my plans? I remember I used to write on my hand five names of people before I'd come to church. I'd make sure I met them. Because you know what happens when I'm left on my own? Probably doesn't happen to you. I see the same old people, right? It's just me, of course. I need to change. But it's not until I start changing that habit, mixing it up a little bit, disrupting my my routine, that I begin to make some better connections and some good connections and some new connections. Because I'm a creature of habit and so are you. Ask yourself, where can I be more intentional? On Sundays. On Sundays. What can I, what, how can I be more intentional after church? Where can, where can I be more intentional in my small group? Where can I be a little more, have a little more agenda in a ministry? We're, we're having a ministry fair next week. We're going to have all of our ministries, most of them, if not all of them, out there in the small dome for you. Because some of us probably don't even know we have some of these ministries and we'd love for somebody to volunteer and help in those ministries. Why? Because they provide, and one of the things they do besides helping others, they provide contact with other believers in a situation that's out of our normal routine. We live in crazy times. Am I right? I'm on Facebook. I'm out here in the foyer sucking down some coffee last week and there's Gary. I can't hear him, but there's Gary. No, I could hear him. He, was just a joke. But here I am, and I'm looking at my cell phone here, and I'm on Facebook. I'm like, what is going on? It's like we're on camera all the time. Why be a Hollywood star? You're on it all the time. But this, this little thing is amazing. I learned how to put a camshaft in my truck. Never done it before. YouTube, baby. It's the key. I remember when I was first married... Someone gave me a Reader's Digest book on home repair, about this thick, and I'd read it. Not anymore, YouTube, baby. Get on Facebook, see what everybody else is doing. If I want to insult them, shoot behind my, you know, from behind my rock. Maybe not. I can listen to podcasts, other preachers. I can read articles. I can research. I love that website. What does the Bible say about dot com? What's the Bible say about connection? 
that's it? <laughs> you know, what's the Bible say about this? I love these, the, the resources. It's amazing. I, you remember what, I, some of you remember when AOL first came out? I saw it. I saw a guy at a parts department at a dealership goes, Hey, Tim, come here. I want to show you something. He had a little laptop. He turns it around. I go, what's this? This is called the internet. What is that? Well, you can get all kinds of stuff on the internet. Well, show me. And he couldn't get anything because there was nothing hardly on there. It's opened up information from around the world. We have now at our fingertips incredible tools to connect with one another. And yet, and yet, our world is starving for connection. And I want to want to encourage you. Some of you here, I know, are still using flip phones. I think they used, they went out during the Civil War. You need to get up to speed. Bob, Bob Quick, Bob Quick is is shaking his head. He's saying no. I'm just saying is that there's something. About, I know that there's a lot of bad can happen from them. I get that, but man, what a tool! And. Uh, it helps that we can connect, we can text, we can send videos. I, I get together with somebody every Monday morning from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. We FaceTime and drink coffee. And he's in Arkansas. And we talk about sermons and we pray together. And we talk about what's on our minds. It's a great way to connect. I know some of us are on our phones too much. We're not connecting with anyone. It'd be great to see us spend a lot more time on this connecting with someone. I mean, like I say, I'm a techie guy, and, and they're teaching me. Here's the third thing I want you to see, I guess, today about making connections, and that is I can do this by investing my time to make another connection. And I would like you to cross out the word time and, and put in the word love because that's, really that's really what we're talking about. Love takes time, like the rock song used to say. It does take time. And, and, um, and, uh, right now, more than ever, there is an opportunity. We have opportunity all around us, but more than ever, to begin to build a redemptive relationship with someone. Even to start one of someone who's a non-Christian or a non-churchgoer and help them connect with the Lord and with His body. The root beer riot was last night. Good time because you don't, yeah, great, great time. I couldn't help but think about, you know, how good it is to have an event on the campus. I was walking around and the cops were there, made it official. It was a real party. And so, uh, but it was a, re- a really, really good time. And uh, the turnout was amazing. And, and having uh, this opportunity just to connect with people, who knows what's going to come from that? It's, uh, it's kind of cool. Like I said before, it's, it, what an opportunity right now to make connection. Look at these stats here I found. Um, number uh, 2011, this was sent to me years ago. Mike Kifmar sent this uh, email to me. In 2011, this is what a statistic showed, that 50% of Americans claim to have fewer than two friends. And that 25% had zero. Had zero. Now, 2021, just last year, last June to be exact, this is what... Uh, we learn uh, post-COVID as we're coming out of COVID or, or in the middle of COVID, 60% of adults have lost touch with their friends. 60%. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've, you're just not, you've lost touch with some people. 
during this time. And about half, and this happens to be a young adult stat, about half of young adults have made a new friend the past year, while a quarter, and these are people over 50, have made a a new friend in the past five years. As we get older, it's harder for us, or we, we don't, we don't do it. And over 40% of 40% of Americans are now saying they don't have a best friend. If there's ever a time, ever an opportunity to connect with people, we have it right here. I was talking to someone at McDonald's. They can't keep anybody working. People are moving in and out so fast. And not just at McDonald's. Everywhere. People aren't staying. They're constantly moving. Most people, 60-some percent of, of Americans said that the place they find friendships is at the workplace. About right. Why? Because we're spending all that time together. Now many of people are working from home. That status changing. It's dropping, folks. And at churches, at churches, the stat was 15% of Americans said they found a friend at church. What's that mean? You figure it out. What an opportunity for us if we'll just... But how, Tim? I mean, it's so hard. It's like I, got, I haven't got any time as it is. I understand that and I have the same problem. I'm only bringing it up to you because I'm confident that you'll figure out something. Look at the Bible says here. Some friends are fun to be with. <laughs> but a true friend can be better than a brother. And see, there are people looking for a true friend, a good and true friend that they can talk to, they can carry their burdens with, they can be upfront about. By the way, most people, they said they trust their their friends more over their family. Did you know that? Most Americans trust their trusted friend over a family member to discuss something that's very personal. I want to ask you a question, this simple question. We all need to ask ourselves, am I making... Ask yourself, am I making any new friends? Because this factor is going to determine whether or not the gospel can be be spread. If I, do Am I a part of a small group, group? Listen close. Am I part of a small group that's mature enough to let go so others can be let in? You see, good relationships come down to one big, huge factor, and it's time. We only have so much of it. You and I only have so much of it. And though I can't be connected to everybody, I can be connected to somebody. And I'd like to encourage you to be connected to somebody new. Use your time, the Bible says, the best way you can. Church, if we're going to be, a, if we're going to be the kind of church God wants, He wants it to be a family that's connected. If, he want, if, if we're going to achieve that, if we're going to be an oasis for the lonely, if we're going to be a church that Jesus wants, it's going to depend on how you and I use our time to connect with people. It's so important that Jesus prayed for this. He prayed for this connection. Look at what he says here. Father, I pray that all people who believe in me can be one. He's saying that connected. How connected? Well, you are in me and I am in you. I pray that these people can also be one in us 
so that the world will believe that you sent me. Because I want, you, I want them to be as connected as you and I are, Father. I want them to be connected with us, but I want them to be connected with each other just as much. They're both important. And it's going to take time from you and I to make that possible. Why, why Jesus, you do that? Why are you, why are you wanting to have us bonded together, knit together, you know, as one? So why such a close, tight connection? It's easy. It's the most important relationships you'll have are people that you're going to spend eternity with. And the world needs to see a church like that. See, a church, a lot of people see a church that's judgmental, disloyal, full of gossip, cruel, unkind, uncaring. You know, this church has been called a lot of things, guys. I don't know what's worse, being called a cult or being uncaring. Because we've been called uncaring. And I'm afraid sometimes that sticks. What can I do? What can you do? What can we do about this? I leave that to you this morning. I was on family vacation uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We rented this place in Hot Springs. It was a house that had gobs of bedrooms, a, a flat screen TV in every room. It had a kitchen that was Huge island, two stoves, two refrigerators, two sinks, two ice makers, two microwaves. It was like, man, lots of room. It had a putting green outside that was made of astroturf and a, a uh, ingrown swimming pool in ground, ingrown, in grounds. So it grew up. Well, they planted a seat. It was an in-ground swimming pool. It lit up at night on the on this beautiful lake. Um, it had just a, did I mention it had an elevator? It had an elevator for crying out loud. And it was just, oh my goodness. Oh, I forgot. There were eight adults and seven grandchildren in this house for vacation. <laughs> Imagine for a minute. We had 70-year-old family members that were 70 years old. And then we had uh, Naomi, the youngest. And they're all trying to maneuver through the mayhem of family together for not a weekend like a family reunion. No, for a week. You think we bumped into each other? Oh, let me tell you. Afterwards, everybody's got their own opinion. I think we ought to, I think we ought to, and it was amazing some of the suggestions that were being, being suggested about we need to do. Why? Because I don't like that, and I wish we could have done that, and we're having crazy kids, and you know, it was just all this stuff, trying to maneuver. What I noticed was this, the structure, the house didn't make a bit of difference. Doesn't make any difference. See, people, people, listen, church, people are talking about Greater Alton. They've talked about our building. I'm not even going to go there. They've talked about our building. But you know what they really talk about? What's inside that building. What's going on. How we treat each other. How we get along. Believe me, they're talking about that too. They're talking about that more than they are anything else. 
And it's, and to see the currency, the priceless currency here at Greater Alton is the currency of love. And I do, frankly don't have enough. And you don't either. To spend on connecting with everybody. But all of us together, with the Lord's help, because He is love, His capacity to love is endless. He is the Fort Knox of love. And what does He do? He gives us that kind of love where we can, we can love each other. See, I don't want to, I can't, we, we can't afford to be broke. We can't afford to have a lack of love here. And I want to encourage you as we think about this idea of connecting. God made you and I to connect and he wants us to connect with one another. And it, it, I know what it, what's it demand out of me? My love. My love. Why? Because you and I were made for more than ourselves. You and I were made to connect. There's a card in your bulletin and with that card you can simply make a decision and you say, you know what? I need to love some people. I need to ramp up my love a little bit. I've been a little selfish. I've been off by myself too much. Maybe you need to make a, a decision. I'm going to work on this. Or maybe you can think of someone you think, man, I need to love them. Or maybe you'd like to have some prayer. I want more. I want to be more connected around here. Pray that I can be more connected. There's even some boxes you can check if you want to know more about this church. If you want to learn how to be a member of this church, just check that box and somebody will come and they'll talk to you possibly the person that brought you, okay? Or someone you know. Let's pray and we'll be through. Father, thank you for making the first move to connect when when Adam was in trouble. And Father, I think about all the moves you made when each of us can think of the times we were in trouble. Somebody from your family began to talk to us, began to spend time with us, began to invest energy and focus, and prayer so that we could experience, we could experience connection with you and with the rest of your, fam- of your family. God, would you help us make a commitment this morning? Maybe we, some of us need to make a commitment. I know I do. Make a commitment to connect better. And Father, I pray that, that we won't let others block that connection and that we won't do it to ourselves. That will see what's, help us see what blocks us from connecting with, with other believers and how we can be intentional, ways we can be intentional. Help us find the margin and create the margin so we have the time and the love to give to others. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.